0: Have you ever known someone who's had a heart transplant? Maybe you've had one yourself. If, if you haven't or don't know anybody, you've probably heard something on the news about them. It's the process of removing a heart that's faulty, that's no longer functioning well, with a healthy heart that's, that's been donated. That's what God wants to do for us. Let's take a deeper look. God often uses pictures to describe truths he's trying to explain to us. In the Bible, several centuries before the time of Jesus, God said this through the prophet Ezekiel, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Hearts of stone exchanged for hearts of flesh Hearts that don't beat, that don't work properly, exchanged for healthy beating hearts, heart transplant. Then Jesus came along and through his life and his death and his resurrection, he made that possible. He dealt with our sin, our guilt and our shame, and gave us a way to have that heart transplant that God had prophesied all those many centuries before. There are three illustrations in scripture that talk about how that happens. The first one happens in an encounter Jesus has with a man called Nicodemus. Now Nicodemus was a very learned man. He was one of the the, the people who knew the scriptures inside and out. And he came to Jesus one night and he called him teacher. So what does Jesus do? He starts teaching and he says to Nicodemus, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. Now I can just imagine Nicodemus, Mr. Clever, scratching his head and going, what? Wait a minute, you want me to climb back inside my mother's womb to be born again? How, that's not possible. It didn't make sense. But Jesus meant something different. He wasn't talking about physical bodies and physical birth, physical hearts. He was talking about something spiritual, something deep within us. That heart transplant that God spoke through Ezekiel all those centuries before. Something so radical and so life-changing that it's like starting all over again. You may have heard Christians talk about being born again. This is where the phrase comes from. Elsewhere, Jesus talks about becoming like little children again. You see, because babies and and children, their their brains are quite elastic. They're always learning something and growing and developing. They're constantly taking in information. They don't have any preconceived ideas. They have to unlearn. They don't have any kind of prejudices, anything like that, that they have to kind of remake and reform their ideas about. They listen to what their parents tell them and they trust what people teach them. They run to their parents for protection, for food, for shelter, for clothing, all their needs. Most adults have become set in our ways, haven't we? Set in our beliefs, set in our worldview and the way we do things, based on what other people have told us and based what we've experienced on other people's behavior, the way that they behave to us, often badly, the way the world seems to work. But when we accept, what Jesus did for us. It's like being born again. Entering that place of learning, of trusting, and looking to God to provide our needs. Here's an example that gardeners amongst you would like. Um, in It's, the, it's the, the word grafting, being grafted in. In John chapter 15, Jesus talks about him being the 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 main stem of a vine like a grapevine and that his followers were like the branches who were coming off of that vine and as long as those branches were attached to the vine they would get the nutrients that they needed and then a little bit later um the apostle paul starts talking about the uh, that takes that analogy and takes it a step further and says that not only is it the branches who are attached but branches can be grafted into the vine. That's something that, that vine dressers often did in the Middle East and probably do today. I'm not sure, well, my, my vine dressing these days, but I know we have roses in our garden and roses are often grafted. And the roses in our garden, they have a, a, a root stock at the bottom that is very sturdy, very strong. It doesn't produce very nice flowers, but it'll survive most anything. And then somewhere along the line, a horticulturist has come and grafted in stems, branches of that produce some amazing flowers. Now these flowers, these branches themselves wouldn't survive on their own rootstock. They needed that strong rootstock. They just wouldn't survive. But attached to that, getting the nutrients through that strong rootstock, they can come and produce beautiful flowers and, and wonderful fruit. That's, what it is like for us being grafted in to Jesus, being grafted into that plant that's Him. Paul says we're grafted in to that strong root and stem, Jesus Himself. Just like those rose branches getting nutrition through through the roots, we can only really live and survive and thrive when we're connected to Him. Okay, third picture here and that's of adoption. Paul uses that, the word of adoption quite a few times, several times, different letters that he wrote to describe how people are added to God's family. He says that we are adopted into God's family. Now adoption is a legal process that makes a child who is not yours legally yours. They become your child our family has adopted and our adopted children have all the rights and privileges that birth children would have. They are loved just as much and cared for just as much. Those children are part of our family, even though they weren't born into our family. They get new names, new identities. They're loved and accepted and cared for by us. Kind of like being born again, It's one thing being adopted by a family like ours, but imagine being adopted by the creator of the whole universe. So if we're adopted or grafted or born again, does that mean the whole world is? Well, you see, um, Peter was talking about this after after, um, the resurrection of Jesus, and he was talking to some people in the book of acts and people in jerusalem and he says this salvation is found in no one else there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved now that word saved is important here um, you hear a lot of christians talking about being saved and basically it means that we're being saved from the punishment that we should have for our sin the ultimate punishment That's kind of what that that saved means. Remember that death we were talking about? So we're saved from that, and that's, it's like a shorthand for the whole thing. (laughs) So, but he's saying here that there's no one else, there's nowhere else, there's no other name that we can be saved by except through Jesus. It's not automatic. Jesus himself says in Luke 7 that loads of people will look like Christians by their actions and talk like Christians, look like they belong to Him, but they won't really be His because what's on the outside isn't really what matters. It's what's on the inside, the choice each one of us makes. That's the important thing. Paul says it like this in Romans 10. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. There's that word again, saved. (laughs) But we have to do something about it. The speaking, the doing, the believing. We have a choice in this process. In order to become part of God's family, we have to have that heart transplant. We have to choose to have that heart transplant. We need to believe that He died, both for the sins, the things we do, and that affection of sin inside of us. We need to believe that he was resurrected to break the power of the cost of that sin in our lives and to believe who he is and he says that we need to admit that we believe this to actually be able to say it and admit the fact that we need him in the beginning of the the gospel of john it says this yet to all who believe him who received who received him who believed in his name He gave the right to become children of God. He has given us the right, but have we taken up that right? Whichever way you look at it, having a heart transplant, being born again, being grafted into him, being adopted into his family, it comes down to the same thing. Something changes when we encounter God, when we believe in him and what he's done for us. He has found a way for us to experience that grace that we talked about but we need to choose to accept it. Have you found that grace? Have you understood it yet? Have you had that spiritual heart transplant? If not, maybe it's time to talk to God about it. Why don't you give it a try?